0: Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to
1: the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Your love never changes, but it changes things. It changes things.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Catholic Dogs podcast. On today's episode, Father Brian sits down with Pippo Boyle, who's one of our co-presidents this year on the CSA board. They have a really great conversation about life team missions and gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's really a beautiful thing. We hope that you enjoy the episode, and as always, if you want to see what's going on at the Catholic Center, you can follow us at Catholic Dogs. Yeah, and I had folks reach out to me. And said, "Hey, met some of the UGA students uh, this week, and, and then somebody else. Hey, met some of the UGA students week in St. Bridget, uh, which is a cool text to receive, right? Uh, it's very cool to see, like, uh, again, like what's happening here. People or people eventually encounter it, or they, they can encounter it uh, and be inspired by it. Because the folks that I that I was talking to." That who who encountered y'all. Oh, these are people who also do daily mass. They also do the life. They try to you know follow Christ to the best of their ability and, and discern the way forward all the time and and try to live the contemplative um, and active life of Christ. And then they see other people doing it, and that's incredibly affirming it's incredibly encouraging. It's like, gosh, like I'm not doing this by myself, right? I'm, I'm doing this with other people and, and it's alive and God's working. And, um, yeah, and it's, and it's cool. Yeah. There's this line I I shared it, uh, on Instagram. There's this line from Jeremiah that says it's God speaking through Jeremiah and Jeremiah quotes God saying, in this place in which you call a desolate waste, there you will hear the sound of mirth, the sound of joy, and the sound of gladness. Meaning like, in this desolate uh, world, in this uh, perhaps lonely world, or God-forsaken world, there's this like promise: you will hear gladness, you wi- will hear joy, you will hear gladness once again. Um, the dryness or the aridity does not win at the end. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool, and so that's a, uh, and I think that's a sign of it. It's like a sign of hope, of for our church at large. Our church right now, I'd say, is like it can it can be very div- divided because it's like news, new there's news websites that like I don't know it's it's so tough they make money off of people clicking on their stuff and so they like push all of this kind of toxic stuff, mm-hmm. and then there's people, and then there's the actual news that does the same thing, they try to make money off of you clicking and watching their stuff. But then there's people, I would say like myself, who just kind of stays out of it and just trying to do the life. And so it's nice when somebody uh, like yourself or uh, yourself and others show up to Mass. It's like, I'm also trying to do the life. Right? It's a testament. It's a It's a witness.
1: Yeah, and I'd say, I mean, it's the same thing, I think, being a college student, going to those... Uh, daily masses where, again, you're, like, the youngest person there. Because um, it is really nice to see, I mean, every day that we were going in there, um, it was the same people at daily Mass every day. Oh, yeah. Um, and so to see, like, that group, like, of constancy and, like, um, I guess there's a prayer group also that meets before daily Mass and does a rosary um, there. And so they're always doing their rosary out loud before Mass starts. Um and so it's nice to, like, see that the church is being prayed for um, and that, like, there is this group of, like, constant prayer. Um, it's just, like, very cool to see, I think, from my perspective, especially, like, as a college student, we're, I mean, we do a lot of stuff, but, like, prayer groups is not really something, I think, that, that we do here, not yet, at least. Um, and so seeing something like that in action, I think it's, Kind of changed my perspective a little bit, because um, before it was always just like, why do these people pray their rosary out loud before Mass? Because, you know, I'm trying to pray quietly. <laughs> um, But like, it is very cool to see, and it's cool to see that they um like come together so that there's like a certain amount of um community and um they're all holding each other accountable. Um,
0: yeah, it's cool. I say here at at the Catholic Center, there's like 40 on average during the week. There's about 40 folks, 40 students who come and do daily mass. And so that's a regular crowd, right? Y'all are a regular crowd. And I notice that whenever you're gone, obviously, whenever you're uh, back in your home parishes or wherever, uh, and there's only about five or six of us there. Uh, And then the semester begins again, and there's again 40 50 folks who y'all come on a re- pretty regular basis maybe not every day but like the same people come pretty pretty regularly you know when i
1: first got here it really was like five or six students at daily mass every day you know that's something crazy i think that has happened that i mean it's been kind of so slow that you almost forget but like i didn't really start going to uh daily mass regularly until I'd say the end of freshman year end of freshman year to like halfway through sophomore year was sort of my development of like going to mass every day. Um and I used to go to daily mass and there would be I mean every time less than 10 people. Um and maybe like 3 or 4 of us were students. Um so that's something that's like really blown up in the time that I've been here. Um and it's It's a very amazing thing, Um, and you, like, forget, I forget that it used to be just a handful of people in there. Um, So it's, like, cool how it's kind of, like, grown and bounced off because, you know, the same people that go to daily Mass, it wasn't like it was these parishioners went to Mass and, like, they're still here while the students are here. It's like they feed off each other, like there were parishioners going to mass when I first got here and like not very many students and then the students started going to mass and then more parishioners started going to mass and then more students And it. It just like feeds back and forth until we've, we've gotten to this group here, which is, I mean, yeah, such a blessing. It's nice to go into daily mass and not feel like you're one of the only people there.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The parishioners here, the, the permanent members, which are a lot of faculty and staff of the university and then just local individuals. I know folks who work at St. Mary's, the hospital, Piedmont Hospital, um, athletic directors, all kinds of folks here. And they're, they're definitely inspired by y'all and the, y'all's activity. Um, I get to see that. And they're always looking to serve and give back and to uh, be of service to the community. Yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. So what other how about uh how about this? What other um to like what other things have inspired you here at the Catholic Center? So like it could be it could be a uh, person, it could be a activity, it could be like you said, daily mass blowing up. Um it could be a talk that you received. You know. What's something inspiring? I would say the
1: community, um, and in particular, just like individual interactions with people. I'm very much like a a one-on-one guy. I'm kind of introverted. I don't love to have like a ton of people around me. Um, and I definitely do better like talking to people in, in smaller groups. And that's like where I can really like go deep and feel comfortable going deep. Um, and so I think if I look back, um, Sophomore year was very formative for me, um, going through Exodus 90, which is what a lot of people are doing now. Um, But it's a 90 day prayer and fasting sort of marathon um, where you're also reading through the book of Exodus. Um, And so I did that with a bunch of guys. And so growing in that community um, and then also just talking to people while we were doing it because lots of people were curious about it or were seeing changes in us and wanted to know about it Uh, and having those conversations with people and allowing myself to really listen to people probably for the first time to like really listen to people um, and their perspectives on faith and to hear and to sort of visualize in them like seeing their witness and then seeing there are obviously things from this that I can incorporate into myself. Um, I remember having a talk with one of our Ignite coordinators um, my sophomore year while I was doing Exodus, um, and she was asking me how much I, like, read the Bible. And I was like, I, I don't read the Bible. <laughs> I was like, I have a Bible. Uh, there, there are readings at Mass. Isn't that enough, you know? Um, and she went, she, like, disappeared and comes back five minutes later with one of these, like, what are they called? The friends of God booklets with all the daily mass readings and like throws it in front of me and is like, you should do this. (laughs) And so now like while I'm doing Exodus, I'm also reading all the daily readings and then sort of also allowing myself to like go beyond those and like introduce myself to scripture for the first time really. Um, and start getting to know God through the word, um, which has ended up being a very formative part of my life. And, you know, who would have known that it would have been Scripture (laughs) drawing me closer to God? Um, So really through individual conversations like that and allowing myself to be taught by, you know, the men around me in our men's nights, uh, in my Exodus group, in Bible study now, um, and these other conversations that you have just being at the Catholic Center um, through the past like year and a half, the Catholic Center has really ca- gained a culture of just being here all the time. Uh, <laughs> there are students always, like now we've got this new upper room, um, and students are there all the time. Um, and when you just spend enough time here, you, you automatically get to know people, um, and you get to know people in a very real way. And because everyone's here growing in this same direction towards Christ, there's always something to talk about because there's always something that links you together. And, you know, that something is the person of Jesus Christ. And so you just grow in this parallel direction and there's always something to talk about, always something to learn, um, so approaching individual conversations with a, um, with an emphasis on learning from them, taking what I can from the spirituality of others, allowing myself to be taught. I think that's been that's been what's been most formative for me.
0: That's wild. Allowing yourself to be taught from other people, like you're you're actively. I mean, that's a kind of a contemplative approach to community life is you're allowing God to speak to you, uh, through other people.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that happened while I was really doing a lot of that scripture reading. I started to see myself as very like, I don't know if this is actually an adjective, but pharisaical. I, I, I saw myself very much as like in the place of the Pharisees and in the Bible. Um, looking at myself, it's like, okay, well, this is the law. This is how this works. Very much like a sort of the negative stereotype of a Catholic of like all rules knows how everything works, but like zero heart whatsoever. (laughs) Um, And I pretty much knew that. And like, I knew I wanted to work on it, but I just come off pretty poorly um, when I first introduced myself to people. So it's, it, that, that sort of personality trait of mine seems to stick in most people's minds. Um, and it makes it difficult, I think, sometimes to to change because I, I sort of see it as wasted time, or I, I'm tempted to see it as wasted time, um, that people don't actually think of me differently. Uh, and so I just continued sort of on that track for a while um, until I was, you know, starting to do all of these things and I was in leadership and Ignite, like had a small group and um, just realizing like, I really owed like my small group and the community actually to you know, to live the life um, and to live it well and to have the heart. Uh, so yeah, allowing God to speak to me through other people, reducing my pride a little bit. Uh, <laughs> accepting that uh, other people have things to teach me that I don't know everything already.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, you I I would say probably is like a for most people like you travel through a season of being a Pharisee, right? You tr- you it's almost like you kind of have to. Um, Break out of it for sure, but it's almost something that you do travel through because you're. You, it's like a. It's a sign or an expression of one like trying to incorporate the life and trying to follow Christ, and it comes out, um, like the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees were actually people who were trying to follow God, um, and so like I don't know. I kind of give them, uh, the benefit of the doubt, but it's like I don't know. It's like a season where. Uh, that a lot of people go through, or most people go through, because there is all these rules, there is all these commandments, there is all these things. Um, but like you said, it's like okay, once your once your heart bego- becomes to be formed, or or once it becomes punctured by love, then you kind of break out of that Pharisaicalness, and uh, yeah, you take on the world a little bit differently. Punctured by love. That's a good way to <laughs> to put that. Like John that. of the Cross, probably. I think you were just talking about John of the Cross. Uh, he has this poem. I forget what it's called, but it's similar to that. Uh, it's like a flame with love, or I forget what it's called. Gosh, but I'll look it up. But you started uh, you you started a, a Bible study. Yes, with with other guys here. And y'all are meeting in a barn. Uh, Outside a barn. Outside a barn.
1: (laughs) But yeah, um, funny story as to how it came about. So I've never, as I said, you know, was not really into Scripture for a while. Um, But coming to grow in Scripture, I was having all of these moments where I was reading stuff and I was putting it together with other Bible verses um, and just is really expanding my mind in such a special way, expanding my heart. And I just found myself thinking all the time, I need somebody to share this with. Because I can tell people what I just like read. But if they didn't read the same thing, it's, they kind of missed the point a little bit. And so I was in daily mass. um, And all of a sudden, I was thinking, oh, okay, I should start a Bible study, which is never a desire I've ever had in my entire life. Um, And then during daily mass, I find out it's St. Jerome's feast day. So I was like, all right, well, that cinches it because uh, St. Jerome is um, first translated the Bible into Latin. Yeah. Um, So he really made scripture available to people for the first time. He's, I don't know, to me, he kind of seems like patron saint of the Bible a little bit. Uh, And he has this Famous quote, ignorance of scriptures, ignorance of Christ. And so I immediately after daily mass, I was getting um, lunch with my friends Russ and Kevin. And I just said, hey, I want to start a Bible study. Would you guys be into doing this with me? Um, and they said, yes. And we were like, okay, where can we meet? And Russ is a uh, part of Slam. He was on the podcast a little while ago. And so they have this crazy house with a, like three barns and like basically a secondary house slash garage and this fire pit and so Russ was like hey we can use my my space and we can do it outside so that way people are comfortable with COVID and stuff uh and so we meet around the fire pit at six thirty a.m on Mondays because that's the time when nobody really has any excuse to not be there <laughs> uh yeah, and we're, we're reading through the book of John now. Um, and so I used that sort of desire to start a Bible study as partly a desire for myself. I have no desire really to lead a Bible study, so it's, it's sort of self-running. Um, but I really wanted to be a part of one. Uh, and I used it also as a method of um, sort of evangelizing to slash trying to help my team grow. Um, so some of the first people I extended an invitation to in the Bible study were guys that are on my board because'm I'm, I'm co-president of the Catholic Center. So I invited some of the guys that are on the board um, to do it with me. Um, all of the guys on the board actually. So yeah, it's just my way of like growing with them to make sure that they're also pursuing their spiritual life um, and it's just like a really cool way to, grow in friendship with them, because I'm very close friends with everybody that's in the Bible study. You know, if I wasn't before, like I certainly am now, uh, and it's just, I mean, it's a great way to start off my week, and uh, it keeps me accountable for Scripture reading. I know every week I have to read at least one chapter of John, you know?
0: Yeah, how do you like the Gospel of John?
1: I love it. Uh, so we just read John 12, which is the beginning of the Farewell Discourse. Is that is that what they call it? Is that one in John? Sounds about right. <laughs> uh, so it's...
0: There's about 10 chapters of farewell.
1: Yeah, there are. Um, <laughs> so it, it encompasses um, Mary washing the, anointing the feet of Jesus with her hair uh, and Palm Sunday and mm-hmm. sort of Jesus' first, uh, more open way of saying, like, hey, I'm going to die soon. Uh, so it's starting to get very heavy, and I think it's... It's kind of cool that we left off uh, Bible study last semester and then first one back. We're, we're starting with you know, sort of the beginning of the end, if you will, of the gospel. Um, so it's very rewarding, and I think it's, it's cool that we get to travel along uh, sort of that season of suffering through the entirety of the semester uh, as opposed to having it be split up at all.
0: Man, when I was in, in uh, Houston one time with my family, because uh, my parents used to live out there, and my brother was there. We went to an art museum, and there was this painting of Mary washing... It's Mary of Bethany, mm-hmm. I believe, washing uh, Jesus' feet with her hair and with, with uh, perfume, etc., and I remember seeing this and being struck by it, uh, as, and we ended up, my, my mother and my brother and myself ended up having a conversation. We just kind of sat in front of it, and we ended up having a conversation about it uh, because it was provocative, uh, because in the scripture, I mean, even, even Judas says something about Mary, <laughs> right? In, is that in? Did y'all read that? Or yeah, Judas says, "Why didn't we sell this ointment
1: for yeah. three hundred days' Which wages. is which
0: is a great comment. Like that's a good question because, mm-hmm. um, like it's a logical question. It's like, well, gosh, like why aren't we, um, uh, being pragmatic with our money? Why aren't we investing our money? And um, you know, we could help potentially more people. And then Jesus just uh, basically rebukes that and then points to this woman who uh, is literally washing Jesus's feet with this expensive perfume. And I, re- I don't know. I just remember st- uh, being struck by this in an art museum and we ended up having probably like an hour conversation just sitting there and looking at this painting and kind of critiquing it, uh, bringing up culture, our own culture, our American culture and, um, not knowing what we would do not knowing who we would necessarily uh imitate if that were us um but yeah that's that's cool
1: yeah that part uh it definitely sparked a little bit of a a conversation in the bible study sort of talking about how you know for Mary to like soil her hair to wash the feet of Jesus hair being like pretty much the source of a woman's pride, like at that point in that culture. Um, And using that to clean Jesus's like lowest part. So it's like the lowest part of Jesus greater than the highest part of her. And, you know, even though it is like very um, humiliating for her, like, I was sort of struck with, you know, she gets to walk away from that with like her head anointed by Jesus, you know, her hair, like smelling of this ointment, um, like very expensive ointment. Um, something you would, you would never justify putting on yourself while you're alive. Um, and she gets to like walk away with that, like, and not only that, but probably just boundless, boundless grace, um, this act Um, so definitely just like a call to humility and I love it when we like are in Bible study and like two of us like look at each other and have that little moment of like this means something you know like why her hair (laughs) surely she had a towel you know
0: (laughs) yeah well in the gospel of John John has all kinds of uh, like subtleties in there that are very symbolic like it's a book of symbol Uh, Like, he's always telling the time of what time of day it is, right? He's always saying, well, it's noon, or it's 3 o'clock, or it's 4 o'clock, whatever. And all that means something. Uh, There is a book, I don't know if you read this book, uh, by Henry Nouwen called The Return of the Prodigal Son. I haven't read it, but I know lots of people that have. So what's cool about this book is he did the same kind of thing that I just talked about. Uh, I think it was in Russia, where Henry Nouwen goes... And finds this Rembrandt painting of, I think it's Rembrandt, Mm. of the return of the prodigal son. And it's the son being embraced by the father, and it's got the other brother uh, kind of painted in the background, just kind of looking and watching. Uh, And so what he does is he goes to uh, this museum, wherever it is, and he's... And he says that he stood in front of this painting for like three days. And he ended up just like, he just reflected on it for like three straight days. He, he basically took a pilgrimage to this painting and stayed in front of it. And then eventually wrote this book where it's, uh, I think it's split in the chapters. It's split into like the son and the father and then the older brother. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that just reminded me of that of praying with paintings and, and uh, placing yourself before something that is sacred like that. Um, praying with art. Because yeah. a lot of these, over the, over the uh, course of our history as a church, all of these scripture stories have been put into stained glass windows and all of these scripture stories have been put into paintings um, and all of these things are capable of being prayed with yeah, icons is another thing. Yeah. The Eastern Church paints these icons, stories of Scripture. But that's cool. So Bible study is going well.
1: Bible study is going well. Uh, it's also just a great source of community because Bible study sort of ends like an hour after it starts, but <laughs> a lot of us don't have anywhere to go. And so, I mean, yesterday we were at Russ's for four hours Bible study was like unofficially four hours long, uh, which is you know maybe too long, especially if Russ has stuff to do. But <laughs> for the rest of us, you know, it's a great way to spend spend my morning. <laughs>
0: Man, that's funny. You know what you need is you need the Word on Fire Catholic Study Bible. <laughs>
1: Yeah, one of these days Reed will show up to, to Bible study with the Word on Fire Bible and it'll it'll be the best Bible study to ever happen in <laughs> the history of the
0: planet Earth. <laughs> it's the most beautiful Bible available. A cathedral in print, it's, they say. It's guaranteed to change your faith life. Like if you were an atheist or an agnostic and you touched this Bible, like you were automatically canonized a saint.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you if you Read the whole thing there's a, a guaranteed blessed or higher status conferred upon you or your money back
0: <laughs> you you're you're talking about being punctured, your heart's being punctured immediately whenever you open this Bible. <laughs> you're just lanced with the holy spirit it's uh i see I see constantly on Facebook because I guess I'm in this group of the Word on fire Catholic study Bible or um uh, I guess that's what it's called. And I always see, it's like every day somebody comments, just got this Bible. It's the best Bible I've ever had. It's the, it's the, it's my, my faith life is, has grown exponentially. And it's like happening every day. And it's, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's, uh, I need to get one. I even saw, uh, there was a picture of a family. That had that got it for everyone in the family, so like everybody had this had this Bible, and it's expensive. I mean, it's it's somewhat expensive. It's like 50, 60 bucks for this Bible, and it's probably you know very beautiful. And it's only the Gospels, right? And it's only the Gospels. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's, you have to you have to buy the add on package later. Add on packages coming DLC. soon.
0: <laughs> it's coming soon. That's true. It is only the Gospels, but. Uh, that's it's so funny. And I'd like to get it because uh I'm kind of insecure just in general with like my priesthood. Like what is my priesthood without this Bible? <laughs> it's not not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I is think... what is my prayer life without this cathedral imprint?
1: Yeah, I mean we're joking about it, but I think one of the things that makes that Bible so um like, popular is the the artwork inside it, you know? They're incorporating um, beautiful works of art for you to reflect on with this passage. Um, and I think there's also, like, lots of commentary from church fathers and stuff, which is, um, that's a tool, actually, we're starting to use in Bible study. Somebody found an app uh, that has church fathers' um, commentary on, like, any scripture verse you look at. Um, and so really diving into the ancient tradition that has like already done all the scriptural exegesis on this specific verse that you're looking at, uh, helps you like not have to think too hard, but also like, for me, I, I take a lot of value in when I read something in scripture and I think something, I'm like, Oh wow, maybe this is what this means. But then I like also am like very insecure about, am I being heretical by thinking that, um, and so I think I've been very like lucky or blessed in this in that uh, a lot of times when I do have thoughts like that, I'll come across like a couple weeks later like the church father commentary or the official church teaching that affirms the thing that I was thinking, um, which is super cool.
0: Yeah. So there's a bunch of people doing the Father Mike Schmidt's uh, Bible in a Year podcast. So what's cool about that is that you can start that at any point. You don't have to start it January first. You can start it now and go for the next year. And what he does, he reads through it and then gives a little bit of reflection afterwards. But there's a bunch of students here doing it, and what I loved about listening to them was that they they like picked up the stories, like they were able to communicate the stories of Abraham and Jacob and and Israel and like what's happening to this person, this person. I'm like. This is awesome. Like it, It's very hard to dive into Scripture and to get the stories, right? And so this is something that uh, I would encourage just by listening to other people uh, relay what they're taking from it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah,
1: I ended up, I thought about doing it, but I ended up not doing it um, just because I find in my own personal life that my scripture reading always seems to sort of like either fit a season or like develop the new season of like my prayer.
0: Um, Man, you're going to have to dive into this one. Yeah? Okay. Well, so I was <laughs> just reading... Scripture develops the the new season. The, the, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It's yeah, intriguing. so
1: I was reading the... Over um, quarantine is when I started reading uh, the... New Testament epistles, so not the Gospels, everything after. Um, and just sort of going through them in order. Um, and so that was very much, you know, sort of like, for me, in quarantine, I'd say it was just like developing a constancy. And so it was like a season of constancy. Um, but then as I got further along, um, sort of developing into some of those later letters, like um, Peter and James, I think, kind of... I don't know, just sort of fit with where I was at and, like, the things I was thinking about. And then I got into Revelation, and Revelation really opened my eyes to this whole... I don't even know how to describe this, but, like, the context of, like, I'm reading St. Faustina's diary, so, like, I'm reading about Divine Mercy all the time, and then at the same time I'm reading Revelation, which is just about this, like, epic judgment of Earth, um, which is, like, not necessarily like it's hard sometimes to read mercy into the book of revelation it's not impossible it's definitely there um but it can be a challenge i think sometimes um and so sort of developing into this season of mercy and like seeing mercy in the book of revelation um and also seeing the importance of like either feeling like we're living in the last days or like they're coming up um because St. Faustina's mission is very much, uh, it's very much divine mercy is being revealed because like now's the time we need it, you know? Um, and then revelation, you know, taking that as well, uh, into the same sort of context. And then, you know, from that, like I was out of New Testament stuff. So it was like, what was I going to read next? Um, And I was like, okay, I'll read Isaiah. And then Isaiah has like very much the same kind of revelation, um, attitude towards it. So I'm like still maintaining this, uh, season of mercy in like last days kind of, uh, yeah. So like seeking understanding in, in that. So I like the freedom to move around scripture, um, and to go where i feel called um, which is not to say you couldn't do that reading the bible in a year um, but i would say it's a little bit more difficult to like yeah, that's cool. free float around when you're also reading you know seven other chapters that day for sure
0: yeah that's cool yeah so the so you reading scripture gives you or in this sense Faustina gives you the lens on your next move on like how you interpret life and it and like guides you forward it like leads you forward like you said it it develops the next season
1: yeah or or prepares me for it i think is, is one way to see it you know like if i truly believe god is active in my life and i'm like picking isaiah to read next not because i know that it has like Uh, apocalyptic stuff in it because, you know, I haven't read Isaiah before. I didn't really know that getting into it. Um, But sort of allowing God to continue that season and say like, okay, just because you're done reading Revelation doesn't mean you're like done reading about these apocalyptic things. Um, And so like allowing the freedom. So yeah, I don't really make reading lists for myself when it comes to um, faith reading. Uh, it's funny, I did make a list for myself like three years ago, totally forgot it existed and then like looked at it a few months ago and I had like read all those books in the past three nice. years, you know, so it was like God put on my heart, yeah, you're gonna read these books, but like don't worry about it right now, like don't worry about the order, Yeah, <laughs> they'll show up, you know. Yeah. Um. So allowing myself the freedom or allowing God the freedom to, you know, like really pop into my life. Um whenever he wants and like whenever the time is right um, is something that I like uh, for myself. I like the freedom to respond to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And so for me, that means not making a ton of plans for uh, my reading and stuff.
0: So changing gears, Mm -hmm. you served with, Life teen for a summer. Yes. Was it just for a summer?
1: Well, so sort of two, um, but two one summers. was one was a COVID summer. So uh. <laughs> one
0: was uh, the infamous COVID summer. Uh, so you and you did it in two places. You did it in where in Texas and also in Georgia.
1: Yeah. So summer 2019, I went to uh, Camp Wild Sky, which is a camp they rent in Texas. Um, and that's where I did my work as a summer missionary. So like walking with teens, um, each week, particularly, uh, how'd you, how'd you get into that? That's pretty cool. (laughs) Great question. Um, (laughs) so the application deadline for life teen is typically like December of the, you know, preceding the summer, um, And so a lot of my friends, or a couple of my friends had done it before. um, And a lot of my friends were doing it summer 2019. Uh, And they were all like, Pippo, you should apply. And I was like, no, because I am a lot of things, don't feel like a missionary uh, at all. Uh, And so it was not something I was interested, not something I felt qualified for. But then after doing Exodus for a few weeks in January, it was probably beginning of February at this point. So two months after application deadline, um, I started to think, you know, maybe I should give myself a little bit more credit, give myself a little bit more grace. Um, and then people were coming up to me and saying, hey, they don't have enough guys because Life Teen never has enough guys apply. Girls apply by the bushel. Guys do not. (laughs) Um, and so I, Shot the people at Life Teen an email. They reopened the application for me. I sent in an application, did an interview, um, got the job. I was going to Texas for five weeks, uh, and so it was really something that just kind of came out of nowhere. Kind of didn't have like a lot of planning behind it, um, and just something that I ended up doing.
0: And what did you do during it? What was that experience? What is a what is a missionary? And what do they do? Yeah, so.
1: The summer missionaries live into community with each other, um, and the goal is to walk with the teens and to prepare a space for them to encounter Christ. Um, so there's a lot of... Um, i totally forgetting this word. There's, there's a lot of programming for the teens while they're there. Everything is sort of planned out. Uh, and so... As a missionary, we sort of do all of the programming the first week without the teens. So we experience camp before the campers do. Uh, and so it was like a lot of praise and worship, a lot of talks, a lot of very unique sort of prayer activities, um, praying with each other. Uh, as a missionary, we pray the Liturgy of the Hours, and we had a mandatory holy half hour uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament every morning. Uh and the option to do a holy hour. So coming off of having done Exodus, I was a little bit used to the praying, um, but had to get used to a lot of it. So Life Teen Camp was really where I first enjoyed praise and worship music for the first time. I um, pretty famously hated praise and worship music. Uh, before life teen i just did not it
0: probably hated you as well maybe (laughs)
1: uh i just did not get it like i had gone to so many xlt's in high school and i was like seeing all these all these kids my age with like their arms out like screaming and i was like i don't i don't get it whatever uh and so it was like two weeks into camp maybe maybe three i don't know uh, and we just like been, you do praise and worship every single day. And I, you know, am still like, I don't get it. And so we're in this, we're in this barn basically um, doing this um, praise and worship around like a, a manger. A manger is like our focal point um, to sort of center our prayer around something to do with the activity, I guess. Uh, and so we're doing this praise and worship. And I was like, yeah, God, I just like don't get it. <laughs> uh, so, teach me. And like immediately from my left, I hear this teen, um, just like belt out like the most beautiful praise ever. And I'm like close enough to him that I can hear him like whispering prayers, like in the quiet parts of the songs. Um, and so I think from that moment on, I sort of like understood praise and now like I'm a big, big praise and worship guy. I really like it. Um, and it's one of my favorite ways to pray. So camp really transformed me like into a lot of openness of heart um, and especially like transform me in, in terms of uh, praise and worship, I would say. And like open me up to all of these like crazy, like encounters with the Holy spirit and like existence of miracles and divine gifts. Cause when everyone in a space is so focused on Christ and so open to his grace, crazy things happen, you know? It's just like, it almost like, it's, a, it's like God can't help himself but but show up and do good um, to the people and, like, show himself to them. So experiencing that, that's, like, something I really wanted to bring back. Like, I really wanted this community to grow to where, we could have that and, like, not have to go to camp to get it. Um,
0: this community.
1: This community here at the Catholic Center uh, to where our praise and worship was, like, always, you know, as saturated with the Holy Spirit as it can be. You know, if the Holy Spirit is not going to show up to praise and worship, uh, I'd like that to be, like, the Holy Spirit's, you know, choice, not because we're denying Him the space. Um and so I took that into I take that into a lot of the things that I do here, um, trying to foster openness to the spirit and openness to like new and crazy things. Uh, yeah. And so I I served again this past summer, COVID summer twenty twenty, uh, but about a week into our preparations for camp, um, actually two weeks. Literally, campers were supposed to come the next day. It was the 4th of July. We find out that uh, a couple people had tested positive for COVID at camp, um, and so campers weren't going to be allowed to come. Uh, and so that's also how I found out that when I was sick the previous week, it was not just a <laughs> fever. I had had COVID, uh, and so had everybody else. Uh, yeah. Everyone living together.
0: Everybody. Praising together. Everybody. <laughs> Catholic Dogs podcast. The Catholic Center is located at 1344 South Lumpkin Street. For more info on how you can get involved, check out our Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at mass.